Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. If we can um, regather after the break. Okay, so welcome everyone. Um, so we're currently in our series, uh, preaching series, about the church and the church is born. We've been looking at the early church, uh, mainly in Acts, and we've been looking at how to build a church that is on a mission to see people save and to serve the community and glorify God. So today we're going to look at Acts 4, and we're going to look in particular at the authority of Jesus and how it shapes our personal walk with God, how it shapes how we reach people and how we build our church. So we'll start with reading the passage, and then, and then I'll pray. But before that, let me just give you a bit of context, because basically Act 4 is sort of in the middle of the story. So I feel like it uh, helps to have a bit of context. So in Acts, we know that Jesus has been raised from the dead, he's come back, he spends 40 days with his disciples, teaching them about being his witness to the end of the earth, he's promising them to send the Holy Spirit, yeah? Then it goes back to heaven, and then what happens on Pentecost? The Holy Spirit comes on the disciples, and they are filled by a power that they didn't have before to go and preach the gospel with a new boldness and a new power. Thousands of people start to believe in Christ. They start to follow the disciples' teaching and to be joining that sort of movement. And really, this is, a new, this is a, a, the start of a new Jesus movement that was not there before. And what we see is that we see that the believers start to share their possessions and to bring them to the feet of the apostles. And really, this is a practice that was done before through the temple. Okay, you you brought your giving where the presence of the Lord was, and now the presence of the Lord is not in a place like the temple. It's in the people because the Holy Spirit lives in the people, and so the. The authorities, the local authorities and the religious authorities, they're not really loving it, yeah? Because what they're seeing is that there's a movement that is growing in influence, in numbers. There's those guys that keep preaching really boldly everywhere about Jesus. And in the same time, it's basically telling them the presence of the Lord is not with you anymore. It's with those guys. And what they think they're doing is establishing the kingdom of the Lord. They're waiting for that big king, that big messiah. Messiah. And so for these authorities, really, this is offensive, and it's a threat to their power. And when we think about it, really, this is a a spiritual battle, isn't it? It's opposition to the authority of Christ. It's opposition to the gospel. So when in chapter 3, okay, Peter and John, they go to the temple full of the fire of the Holy Spirit, ready to pray, ready to preach the gospel. And they see this disabled man at the front who is like, give me money. And they're like, I don't have money, but I have the power of the Lord that can save you. And they pray, and the guy gets healed, and everyone sees it, and he's so happy, and he's praising in the temple, Jesus, you saved my redeemer, lives. And everyone is like, what's happened, what's happened? And he's like, come on, everyone, sing with me, brothers. And they're all... One way, Jesus. Yeah? And it says that everyone starts worshipping with this guy who is jumping around praising God. 
And the authorities, they're like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, they're thinking, we need to tame this down. This Jesus movement is getting a bit out of control. We need to contain this. And this is when we arrive to chapter 4 that we're going to read. Okay? So, let me read it. I think it should come up nicely on the, on the stage, I was going to say. Not the stage, the screen. Okay, so Acts 4. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They sized Peter and John, and because it was, it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. I mean, everyone has to sleep, haven't they? But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Anas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the son that you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, and there is no other man under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that this man had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the San, Sanhedrin and then confer together. What are we going to do with this man? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed, performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to, stop, to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Okay, so I'm just going to pray and then I'll go for it. Yeah, God, I thank you that you're with us today. I thank you that your Holy Spirit lives in us and is in your church, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that um, as we look to Acts 4, Lord, that you would um, speak to our heart, Lord, that you would uh, bring clarity and revelation about who you are and your authority and the power that is in you. Amen. Okay, so the authorities are greatly disturbed of what's happening. There's that Jesus movement. This guy is here. He's praising in the temple, getting everyone to join in. Peter and John, they're still preaching, full of zeal. 
And so Peter and John get arrested, okay? And they're questioned by the local and the religious authorities. And what we see is that the first thing that they ask and that they question is the authority under which they perform this miracle. It says in verse 7, it says, by what power or what name did you do this? If, if you look at Peter, he doesn't really reply, how did you do it? He doesn't say, oh, the Holy Spirit is in me. I prayed, the Holy Spirit power there, and then he walked. No, he doesn't, he doesn't explain how. He replies and he answers about whose authority he's doing this under. So when we think about church, when we think about our walk of faith, when we think about, think about reaching people, by whose authority are we doing this? Jesus' authority. So Peter answers this question in verse 10, and he says, It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, by whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you, healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. He's basically telling them, guys, we're doing this by the authority of Jesus, the king we've been waiting for years and years that the prophets talked about. Yeah? And you guys crucified the king you were waiting for. But God raised him from the dead, and yes, it is under his authority, the son of God, who conquered sin, who conquered death, that this man was healed. Peter, he, he understood the authority of Christ. In his heart, deep in his heart, he knows who Jesus was. He knew he was the Son of God. He knew that his victory over sin and over death is real and complete. He knows that Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of God and having put all his enemies under his feet. Now, if you look at Peter's life, you can see that it's been a bit of a journey. Yeah, for this truth to be a bit more anchored in his heart. If you remember, he's like stepping out of the boat, then he's sinking, then he's like, oh no, Jesus, don't know him, this is a bit too dangerous, three times. He didn't always have that unwavering faith about the authority of Jesus. It was a journey for him to get to that place. And in the Bible, on many occasions, it speaks about the authority of Jesus. And there's several books in the New Testament that speak about Jesus sitting at the right hand of God and God putting everything, all his enemies, underneath Jesus' feet. All evil, all sin, all death, all shame, all fear, all lies, all sickness, right underneath his feet. Do we... I don't know what you think, but do we really understand that? Do we truly believe that? Is, does our life, would our life look different if we really understood that all those things are under Jesus' feet? I try to think a bit uh, about a, a more practical um, illustration to get your head around it. And I remember this funny story, which I hope would be helpful, if not just a bit funny. Um, so a few years ago, we had a real problem with mice in our flat. We had loads of mice. One winter, I think we had about eight. And we ended up having lots of st funny stories about mice. 
One of them being that in the middle of the night, one night, Josh woke up and he had to go to use the bathroom to wash his hands, obviously. And as he's walking to the bathroom, he has to cross the kitchen to get to the bathroom. Okay, and he's there and he's half awake and he's walking barefoot to cross the kitchen. And as he's about to step, there's a mouse that just crosses the kitchen and ends up right underneath his foot. Uh, and Josh is like, oh! <laughs> as this sort of shock of his life, not really knowing what to do. And as a, as a bit of a reaction, his toes then start curling over the poor little thing, yeah? And then pick it up and make him do a, like a somersault in the air to then fall and crash on the floor, yeah? So that poor mice did not have a very good end. Um, but, yeah, and Josh was a bit traumatized, bless him. It's not what you expected in the middle of the night. But, yeah, I'm going to spare you all the details that happened afterwards. Um, now, this is a funny story, I mean, for Josh, slightly more tragic for the mouse. Um, but, you know, what I'm trying to say is, in the same way as there was no way in the world that Josh could have ever been overthrown or even physically challenged by that little mouse, yeah? There was no way, no matter how vicious that little mouse could have been, yeah? It could have never killed Josh. Despite his little high-pitched squeal, it could have never killed Josh, yeah? In the same way that the authority of Christ will never, ever be overthrown or even slightly challenged by sin or evil or death anymore. Because through the cross, the power of sin and evil has been totally defeated. And now they are right there underneath Jesus' feet. It's powerful, isn't it? It's really powerful. And it makes you want to be in that place that Peter is at. Not at the beginning, at the end, yeah? It makes you want to be in that place of understanding the authority of Christ. Because maybe for some of us, and I include myself in this, uh, maybe we think, okay, actually, I've been a Christian for quite a while. I know about Jesus' authorities. I've heard it, you know, the old thing. He's conquered sin. He's conquered death on the cross. It is finished. You know, we've we've all all heard it. We We know it. But if I'm really honest, there are parts of my heart and parts of my life that don't really own that truth. And it's a bit like when Peter steps out of the boat, he's like, yeah, I can walk on water. And he's like, oh, no, Lord, save me. Yeah, sometimes they're like, yeah, of course he does that. And then you're in that situation, and none of the reactions that you have reflect that you believe God is in control and God has got his foot on it. Because when you truly understand that he has defeated all powers, all evil, all your sin, all our shame, all our fears, all our lies. It just changes everything. It changes everything. It means that whatever you face in life, you know that thing, that thing that is the most painful, that is the most destructive, or that biggest weakness, or that sin that just can't quite go away, yeah? it will not destroy you. You know it will not consume you. It will not define who you are or be the final say about you. Because deep inside, you know that Jesus has got his foot right on it. 
and that that thing has got no real power to destroy you anymore. Just like that little mouse, bit annoying, very vulnerable, yeah? And instead, you can find power and you can find grace in his victory to overcome. When we understand that everything is underneath his foot, it also means that deep inside you, you just know that Jesus is the answer. You know, it's the answer for your friends, it's the answer for your colleagues, it's the answer for your community. And you have conviction that they will be able to find a hope in Christ and that through that, they will be able to overcome anything that comes their way and to be okay. And it also means that as a church, suddenly we, we don't fear people having big stuff in their life, big issues in their life, yeah? Because we know that Jesus has got his foot right over these issues and we're not going to be overwhelmed, we're not going to be shaken because he's got his foot on it and he's got victory on the cross and he can walk anyone to freedom. We know. My encouragement today is that we would not, we would not settle for a view or a mentality of, yeah, Jesus can help. Yeah, he can help. You know, faith can help. But that we would live with the, the conviction and the revelation that, yeah, Jesus is the answer. And he's got his foot right on it. He's got his foot right onto that situation that you feel you can't cope with. Another aspect of um, the authority of Christ that we see in this passage is that it cannot be denied, yeah? When Peter and John are questioned by all the authorities, and Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's answering really boldly, the authorities, they're a bit astonished, but really, they are stuck, yeah? They are stuck. They don't know what to do. In verse 16, they say, what are we going to do with this man? Everybody in Jerusalem knows that they've done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. No, they can't deny it. The guy is jumping around, praising God. You alone can rescue. You know, <laughs> going through all the Matt Redman album. And after 40 years of disability, he's just praising, and everyone sees it. And they cannot deny the authority of Jesus. So... Why is this important for us when we try to reach people for Christ? Because maybe sometime, and maybe it's just me, but you, when we talk to others about Jesus, we feel like we need to make something happen. Yeah? See your sin, repent. You know, we, we feel like we have to, yeah, you know, something has to happen. You try to push stuff, try to get them to places that they need to be in, but they're not quite, quite at. Or we feel like we have to justify things or that we have to have all the answers or maybe that our life has to be the perfect Christian life, yeah? I can't really see that friend or testify about God until I can respond to this situation in my life in a godly way because I don't want them to see me in my period of doubt. I don't want them to see me in my period of pain. Yeah, all those things. But what we see is that Peter is just being obedient, okay? He's heard from Jesus, go and be witnesses, pray, I will do greater things through you that I've done. So he's just, he's just being obedient, and he's doing his part, and he's filled by the Holy Spirit, and he speaks the truth boldly. boldly. And after, he just lets the Holy Spirit 
do what he wants to do. And he let the authority of the truth that is spoken and the miracle that has been witnessed just speak for themselves. Yeah? He's not trying to embellish or he's not compromising or meeting people in the middle. And I think maybe there's something for us interesting that when we share the gospel, the authority of Jesus and what is accomplished on the cross and in our lives, that's enough to touch people. Yeah? At um, Lani and Nick's wedding, there was this really powerful moment um, when Nick's best man, who was not a Christian, um, spoke about Nick and how he changed since he'd become a, a, a Christian. And in a way, the dude he sort of like preached the gospel without really realizing it, didn't he? I feel it was one of the, the most amazing things about it. He was like, and Nick's like this, and now he's like that, and he's got that passion. And I know it might be a bit weird, but he's got that passion. And yeah, it was really like a powerful time, really powerful. And you could tell that this guy, who obviously knew Nick very well, he could not deny the impact of the gospel on Nick's life. He could not deny how he had changed his life, how he was there and now he's there. Yeah. And yet there was still Nick, there was still aspect of his character and who he is that were there, but there was a transition that was from here to here that could not have been done by Nick, and that was just the gospel. And that was so powerful. Because at the end of the day, we're not trying to, I think, we're not trying to sell to people something that doesn't work. Yeah? It's not like some bad quality shampoo for dandruffs that doesn't actually do the job. No, it's the gospel is powerful. And the Holy Spirit is right here with us. You know, the presence of the Lord is with us. It's not in the temple. It's with us to work and gives us boldness, but also to convict people and speak to people, to help them to get to that stage where they can hear that truth, when you can't make them get there. And there's something for being like Peter and just being obedient and knowing that the outcome is in God's hand. You know, guys, it was, it was really encouraging because um, Phil prayed exactly what I was going to say. So I was like, the Lord is here. <laughs> He's working in marvelous ways. He loves me. He's working before me. Uh, so I was like, this is great. And so... What I'd written, and when I wrote it, I was like, oh, God, you need to help me with this bridge. I'm struggling a little bit. And I was like, and I felt a bit inspired. It was certainly really easy to write that part. And then feel spoke, and I was like, ah. And I guess my hope is that we would be a church who, just like Peter and John in verse 20, are so convinced and passionate about the authority of Jesus, his victory on the cross, that as Phil said, that we could not help but speak about what we have seen and heard. And that there would be a boldness in us that just does not come from our own efforts, but that comes from the Holy Spirit. Because you can't make things happen by yourself. You can try, you're gonna get tired, not much might happen, and people get disappointed potentially in you because they need to meet Jesus, not you. Yeah. Now, I do, I do realize that 
when we talk about Jesus having victory over sin, over death, over all forms of evil or darkness or sickness, um, it can seem a bit oversimplistic, yeah? And that for some of us, it may feel like this is the theory about what happened, this is what we know, it's right here, and this is my reality, and it's right there. And there's a massive gap in between the two, yeah? And, and I don't say this lightly, I really get, I really get that in the middle of difficulties, when there's pain, when there's loss, that the last thing you feel like you're living is the glorious victory of Christ, yeah? It's the last thing you, you feel that you're living. No, you wonder, you ask God, where, where is your victory? Where is that victory in that? Because this is so painful for me to see that what's happening in front of me. And because right now, God, I cannot see it. I cannot see that, that victory. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.